In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie that came out last year, uh, many of you have seen this, but uh, the action of the movie kind of gets started when they are right in the middle of an elaborate dance party that Barbie has thrown for all her Barbie friends and all her Ken friends at the Barbie dream house, of course. And right in the middle of that happy clappy time, she blurts out, do you guys ever think about dying? And of course, that's a party faux pas. She's not supposed to say things like that. We're not supposed to think about dying. And of course, the music stops, grinds to a halt. Everyone stares at her, horrified. Barbie brushes it off for the moment, of course, and the dance party continues. But the next day, everything is all wrong. At least according to Barbie, her water-free shower is freezing. Her pretend milk is rancid. Her perfectly arched feet are now flat. And her beautiful, unblemished skin is showing some cellulite. <laughs> and as Weird Barbie says, there's more where that came from. <laughs> the rest of the movie details Barbie's journey into the real world where her idyllic existence is shattered. And she realizes that life is hard and the world is run by men. And that suffering is unavoidable and that death comes for us all. And it all starts with that question, do you guys ever think about dying? It's kind of what Ash Wednesday is about, right? Thinking about dying. But much like it is in Barbie land, it doesn't strike us immediately as good news to think about dying. The, me the basic message of Ash Wednesday is, you are going to die. But it doesn't immediately feel like good news to a lot of us. We spend billions of dollars in this country trying to deny and avoid and delay death. We're severely allergic to any whiff of limitation or weakness, vulnerability, frailty, or mortality. But today we proclaim the good news, friends, that the life that is truly life is ours in Jesus Christ, but this life is revealed to us and communicated to us through weakness, vulnerability, and mortality. Beloved, the upside-down abundance of God's kingdom is your inheritance, but it's upside-down. It's weird. It's not immediately available to us as good news. We have to enter into it. It's difficult, weird good news. <laughs> And so, through prayer and fasting and giving, let us lay hold of salvation and receive the grace of Lent today. A lot of us have inherited ideas about Lent um, that are bent towards gloominess and melancholy, um, and they're rooted in what um, a friend of mine calls shame-filled spirituality. Shame-filled spirituality believes that the best way to get close to God is to condemn ourselves for falling below the standard of perfection. So the first thing is that we believe that God demands perfection. That's a mistake, but that's what we believe. And so we, because, because we believe that God demands perfection, that's what God wants, and, that we know, and we know we can't ever be good enough, 
we think that we might be able to get close to God by punishing ourselves for not being good enough. And God will look upon that and say, good enough, you can come close because you see how terrible you are. We try to get close to God by proving that we know how bad and unlovable we are. And we often enter into Lent with all of that baggage following behind us. These are beliefs that we don't cognitively run through in our heads and study you know, for a test. These are beliefs that live in our bones. They live deep, deep, deep in our bodies. And they come out when we pray a prayer that has the word wretchedness in it. And all of a sudden we feel worthless, unlovable. And a lot of us have bought into that lie that that's the best way to get close to God, by being hard on yourself, to prove to God that we know how worthless we are. But I think the passages that we read tonight give us a different picture of the Lenten disciplines of repentance. Prayer and giving and fasting are the three traditional uh, disciplines or practices of Lent. And I think that the passages give us a, they give us good news about these practices actually. The call to repent is always given in the context of the good news that God has drawn near. God's life has drawn near. Not to punish and not to condemn, but to forgive and to heal and to cleanse. And so to repent is just to respond to God's goodness by turning away from that which brings destruction to ourselves and to others and toward that which brings flourishing for ourselves and for others. So the message of Lent isn't fast and pray and repent so that you remember what a worthless, miserable pile of dung you are. Thank goodness. The message of Lent is fast and pray and repent so you can more fully and deeply participate in this weird life that God shares with us. Fast and pray and repent to participate in loosing the bonds of injustice and breaking the yoke and setting the oppressed free, as Isaiah reminded us. The message of Lent is fast and pray and repent so that your light breaks forth like the dawn, so your healing springs up quickly, so forgiveness and compassion can flow freely. Fast and pray and give and repent so that you can sense God guiding you, satisfying your needs, and pouring into your lap the upside-down abundance of God's kingdom. That upside-down abundance is part of what Paul was familiar with and that we read about in our passage from 2 Corinthians. He says that although he experienced, check out this list, afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, bad stuff, suffering stuff, he also experienced at the same time and in those same moments purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, the power of God. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, Paul says. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. Isn't that weird? Like it's either Paul's just making stuff up and making it sound better than it is. It's wishful thinking or spiritual bypassing. Or there's something deeply true about it that we are invited into. But it's weird. It's not immediately obvious and evident to our five senses that this 
is eternal life. This is the weird life that comes to us. Resurrection life comes to us through death. And that's our inheritance. Another friend of mine says that God raises the dead, but he does not prevent us from dying. And that's a clue for how this works. God raises the dead, but does not prevent us from dying. So beloved, hear the good news of Ash Wednesday. (laughs) You are going to die. We're all going to die. It is true that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, as we'll say over each one of you here in a moment. But friends, the good news is that our God has become dust. In the incarnation of Jesus, our God has become that which God made us from. God has entered into death and made it a holy place. God has entered into the dust that we come from and the dust that we return to and given us in that resurrection life. We will live even though we die. So, do you guys ever think about dying? Yes, we do, Barbie. Here on Ash Wednesday at the beginning of Lent, a season of walking the way of the cross, trusting that it is also the way of life and peace, just as it was for Jesus. So today, on this Ash Wednesday, we embrace weakness vulnerability, even mortality. Not to be morose or melancholy, but because we know that the weird, upside-down abundance of God's kingdom is our inheritance. And by embracing the truth of God's weakness, God's vulnerability, if I can put it this way, God's mortality in the life of Jesus, we enter into the life that is truly life, but it comes through death. And so through prayer and fasting and giving, beloved, let us lay hold of salvation and receive the grace of Lent tonight. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's just sit in silence for a few moments together.